Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramac. On today's show, Disney gets the rest of Hulu and what Trump really understands about tariffs. But first, Apple's App Store is under attack. Yesterday, the Supreme Court ruled five to four that a group of iPhone users can move forward with their lawsuit against Apple, in which they claim that the App Store represents an illegal monopoly on iPhone apps. This is a very big deal because it goes to the heart of Apple's business model, particularly as it seeks to move more into services. It also creates the possibility of legal exposure for other online marketplaces because they now too could be sued by the people who buy products from them. Key here is that when you buy an iPhone app, Apple gets 30% of the revenue. A lower court had ruled that this revenue flow means Apple was allowed to be sued for monopolistic practices, whereas it wouldn't have been if only third-party app developers got paid. Apple, of course, objected, but the Supremes upheld that ruling, setting up a major legal showdown. And again, just to be clear, the Supreme Court didn't say that the App Store was a monopoly. It simply didn't allow the case to be thrown out. The bigger picture here is that it's not just this group of folks who are upset. Spotify is suing Apple on similar grounds in Europe, and the maker of Fortnite has publicly complained about the revenue share, pointing out that it doesn't need to send Google a cut of its revenue from Android downloads. Apple obviously says that it expects to prevail, but it must be getting nervous. Third-party apps are an essential part of the iPhone's popularity, thus making them both a direct and indirect cash cow for Apple. Any change to the status quo could significantly change the bottom line for the world's third most valuable company. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios tech reporter David McCabe. But first, this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. We're joined now by Axios tech reporter Dave McCabe. So, David, was this Supreme Court ruling yesterday a surprise? You know, the justices seem to be trending the way they went. Obviously, it was a 5-4 ruling, Brett Kavanaugh ruling with the liberal justices. So That part was a surprise, right? Or or was that not? I mean, Kavanaugh being the deciding vote, going with Ginsburg, etc. Certainly, that raises some eyebrows, given the politics of his confirmation. Antitrust is always an interesting issue because it doesn't always split evenly along party lines. But yeah, I think that the justices had had telegraphed they were heading in this direction, nonetheless. It's a a really big blow for Apple, whether or not it was a surprise. So let me ask about Apple. How specific is this ruling to Apple? Because you write it could also apply to other online marketplaces in theory. But Apple is the only one I can think of, at least, where they're both the only distributor for the products and set the price for the products. Yeah, so they're in a relatively singular position when it comes to the iPhone. Obviously, Mac developers and and Apple ecosystem developers generally have a lot of options, but certainly, unlike Android, you can't make the same kind of direct sale or what Apple is, is an indirect sale to users via the store. Nonetheless, I mean, I think anytime you have a, a big change in how people approach the question of these digital marketplaces, it raises question of whether or not they could be applied elsewhere. And of course, the case actually, you know, the monopoly case hasn't actually been heard. Let's play that out a little bit. Let's say it gets heard and let's say Apple loses. And I'm sure they would then, you know, appeal that and appeal that. And the Supreme Court might have to hear it again. Covering it forever. Yeah, absolutely. But if Apple were to ultimately lose this, if the plaintiffs were to ultimately prevail, what does that practically mean for Apple? 
potentially big damages. I think, obviously, you don't want to speculate too much, but the App Store is really, really a lucrative product. They paid out, I think, more than $26 billion to developers in 2017. That's according to their legal filings. So, you know, there's certainly the potential for significant damages given just the volume of sales they're doing on the App Store. You wrote in this uh, story that Steve Jobs was originally opposed to having third-party apps on the iPhone before it came out, but obviously got persuaded otherwise. That has worked out well for Apple, right? Like Jobs, at least the way Apple views it right now, Jobs was wrong in his initial feeling toward it. I mean, I think it's undeniable that the decision to add third-party apps to the iPhone really made it what it is today and made it a really compelling product. You know, I think those of us who remember the initial iPhone launch, it was these web apps. They said, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to make our own software and then you can make these web apps. You could just go in the browser and, and run it in Safari. Obviously, people still make web apps, but it doesn't match the native experience that you have through these third-party apps. So without the App Store, yeah, that whole ecosystem doesn't totally explode. And, and that's an ecosystem that goes from, like, basic, you know, the, like, simple startups that make tiny games to, like, Uber, right, which uh, has staked its claim on a third-party yeah. iPhone app to news outlets. The App Store has become sort of integral to the iPhone experience, and it's an experience that increasingly Apple's trying to juice to make sure that it's good enough to keep people on the phone. So a couple things about that. That native experience, one of the issues that you raise in this piece today over at Axios.com is this question of cybersecurity. In other words, that because Apple is so particular about who it allows to distribute apps via the App Store, because it is the arbiter, which again is, is kind of this monopoly that's being argued, it therefore, though, is able to keep them safer, less, you know, unexpected viruses getting downloaded or uploaded into my iPhone, et cetera. Is that a valid argument? Not necessarily an, a monopoly argument, but a valid argument for why a company like Apple should have such tight control over its app store. I mean, I think that's a little bit up to, to an individual to make the decision about, about you know, the, the balances they want to strike. Obviously, more controlled ecosystem is going to have a more curated experience. On the other hand, gives the person curating the experience more power and control. I do think that it's true that the fact that Apple can vet these apps for cybersecurity issues, for privacy issues, does add to the security of the device. But as you said, it, that wouldn't necessarily be something that would come up in the context of this monopoly question, which is really about Apple's control, its relationship with consumers, with developers, and the, the pricing of the apps. Not necessarily this particular lawsuit, but you know, Spotify suing in Europe, the head of uh, Fortnite or the, the Fortnite creator talking a bit about his complaints about the App Store. How much of this ultimately is concern, broader concern in the developer community, that as Apple introduces more of its own services, that it's going to favor those services, that it's going to put them higher in the App Store, maybe even deny access access to the App Store for arrival. That's absolutely the underlying concern in the Spotify complaint in Europe, which they've also lobbied on this issue in the United States, although bringing an antitrust case in the United States has, has been a little bit harder historically on these tech questions. I think you can't say exactly what's going to happen in the future, but if you're an app developer, particularly if you're, you're developing one of these big services like Spotify, it's a public company, you know, and you've staked your company on, on this, and then Apple comes in and is competing with you, yeah, you're absolutely thinking about that. I mean, if you think about all the areas that Apple's getting into, there's news, there's video streaming. All of these are areas in which there are robust competitors out there, and I imagine that they are looking at Spotify's situation with Apple Music and, and at least considering what it might mean for them. And Apple has podcasts. Please, if you're listening to this on Apple, give us a rating in the App Store. Dave McCabe, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. My final two, right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Disney which this morning announced an agreement to buy the rest of Hulu from Comcast. Not today or next month, but in five years. 
So sure, the timing makes this deal kind of strange, but Disney gets full operational control of the streaming service immediately. Plus, there are some other perks, like distributing Hulu via Comcast's Xfinity X1 platform. The big picture here is that Disney wants to take on Netflix. It already owns ESPN+, Plus, which was launched last year, now has Hulu, and next fall plans to create what it calls Disney+. Plus. The expectation is that it'll offer a bundled package, but it remains unclear if the price point will be low enough to convince consumers to switch. And finally, President Trump ramped up his trade war talk on Twitter this morning. But there continue to be big questions over just what the president understands about how tariffs work, as we discussed on yesterday's episode. Axios' Jonathan Swan asked several current and former White House officials if Trump actually believes that China pays these tariffs, which, again, they don't pay. They're paid by U.S. importers. The answer? Yep, Trump believes it. And trying to convince him otherwise is impossible, with one of Swan's sources saying it's the same as arguing against someone's religion. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers. Have a great National Buttermilk Biscuit Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.